Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it. So before we went to Gallifrey 1, you went out of state to go visit our number two child. Yep. And in the lead up to this visit, you were starting to get a couple of um, inquiries from his other mom, your ex, and also from the other adults that are helping raise him about, you know, helping manage some of his special needs because he his needs are very special. Yes. And... I, I'm, I smile as I answer because we know that and some people are on a learning curve. Yeah, they are. And we have taken this child to therapy. We have read books and read studies and worked with teachers and other professionals to learn doctors. how doctors mm. and more doctors and more doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, neuropsychologists, neuropsychiatrists, psychologists, neuropsychologists, neuropsychologists. Thank you. I'm like, it's a neuropsych. I forget which ist after it. <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. You know, we have had these experiences to learn the strategies and tactics for managing some of the difficult situations that this child gets himself into. And he's in a situation now with adults who do not have that experience and have not had those situations to learn from. And so they were checking in with you before you left even realizing just how much management this kid needs. Right. And he needs way less management than he ever used to. It's true. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. And they still think it's a lot, but it is. It is. If, if you compare him with a neurotypical child, you're, you're still expending somewhere between three and 800% of the energy to keep this child safe and out of trouble that you would over a neurotypical child, even though it is probably half of what we used to spend. Correct. In energy, keeping this child safe and out of trouble. That is true. So their frame of reference is slightly different, but they were calling and there was one day where he had, and I don't remember if this was on the last episode or not, where he had, he was supposed to be checking in with an adult before he goes anywhere. And if he goes somewhere, he's supposed to call or text from that house before he leaves, when he gets there, you know. He was staying with his aunt that day, that afternoon, and he went to play at a friend's and they text when he was leaving there. And then he wasn't there and he wasn't there and he wasn't there. So he had gotten waylaid by his brain. <laughs> that does happen. <laughs> and gone and done something else, in, you know, on the way home. You ever, you ever read the Family Circle cartoon when you were yes. looking in the newspaper? Yeah. The kid goes this way and that and... Yes, it's the one where you've got the little dotted line behind the child and, you know, they're supposed to be going from one side to the other and it's all dotty line and swirls and swoops and loop-de-loops and yeah, yeah. backtracks. And but they, they lost track of them for a little bit and that can be worrisome. Losing track of your child can be worrisome, yes. Yes, and they found him, obviously. Yes. We wouldn't be telling the story the long way. <laughs> um. He didn't respond well to their consequences that they gave him. And he doesn't usually respond well to consequences, and many children don't. 
He particularly does not. And because I know he doesn't, and you know he doesn't, we make sure that we have the moment to deal with that if we are going to give the consequence. Otherwise, we say, we will talk about this later. Yes, you cannot just assign a punishment and then walk away from the situation and expect it to be managed. That does happen sometimes now. It never did before, but it does happen sometimes now. Yes. But even so, we still try and make sure that if it's not going to happen, that we have time after assigning the consequence that then we can manage the meltdown, fallout, temper tantrum, throwing things. Telling people off. Whatever it's going to look like, we need to have time to manage it. And they did not. No, they they didn't. And I explained to them why I thought it went the way it did with that reasoning. Because his aunt works from home and had a client there at the house and she grounded him for the rest of the night. And there was a time when Netflix was his biggest habit. And currently it is going outside to play with his friends. Which is absolutely wonderful. Yes, it is. I love the fact that he has moved to a community where kids go outside to play. Yes, lots of them Mm -hmm. all, all afternoon. And he wasn't happy with that. And he told her off and the client was sitting there and was looking at him. So he told that client off too. And that didn't go well. He wasn't terrible about it. I mean, he didn't like tell everybody what to do and what their mother could do too. But he did say, you know, just some rude things and go away. And then his aunt explained, you know, sorry, we're not as familiar with his needs. And he's just been here a little while. So we're working on it. And the client was good with that. But I explained to her that the process can work better if you tell him ahead of time. If you do not follow the directions specifically, you will lose your outside time. If you do not want to lose your outside time, you will follow the directions. Go over the directions again. Tell me the directions. Everybody does this with children. So what did I say? I don't know. Then you tell them again, and then they tell you. Uh-huh. Right? And this is this is what you used to be amazed that I did with number one child. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. I was telling him backwards and forwards and sideways and then making him repeat it in the way that fit his brain best. Yes. So he, he does well better with consequences if he knows they're coming. Yes. Surprise consequences, he doesn't learn from them. No, he's too busy being emotionally invested in dealing with the emotional shock of that loss of privilege that he can't comprehend the logical consequence of his behavior He just, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. I can't go outside to play with my friends. Yes. There's no learning. No. So he he didn't do it again because then she did talk with him and say, if you need to go to a different house, you will have them text. If you are on your way home and you forget something, you come home anyway and we will go back for it with you. He started home and forgot like his helmet or whatever and went back. And then did something else and was somewhere with some other kids on the way back, sort of, almost, probably. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And his grandfather asked the other kids where he was, and they told him, and then his grandfather found him. So, and this was his aunt and his grandfather managing him because his mother was unavailable, and... And I think we've said before that she has some chronic ailments. Yes. And she does take very good care of herself, but that does sometimes mean spending short stays in the hospital where she's just going to be unavailable. Right. There is no permanent solution for her ailments, and sometimes they crop up and they have to be dealt with. Yeah. And she will deal with them. And the plan was for her to then put the boy with her sister, who His lives aunt. a few houses down. 
mm-hmm. and the grandfather, and they would manage him. But the the grandfather and the aunt, being her sister and her father, are not as familiar with what that experience really is. It's more intensive than they realized. Here's the boy, and I have to go see the doctor now, and I'll be back when the doctor says. So they they were surprised by that. The idea of it and the actuality of it were different as they are with many things. Yes, but the disparity, the the degree of that difference was much more significant than I think anyone who has not experienced managing this child would ever be prepared for. Yes. I can't think of a person that has tried it that hasn't said, whoa, after doing that. And and we would only have tried that with the most reliable people we know. Yes. Which there are a, a good, you know... We, we have three or four have, members of our chosen family that yeah. we would leave our child with. Yes. So yeah, that, that was a challenge for them. And they called you to get your input. And even though you were going to be going down there... Yes, I was about to be coming down to visit. And... How did that visit go? Well, it went okay because he has all these friends to play with and he wanted me to meet his friends and we just hung out and rode bikes and did exploring and met his friends and yeah. And his mom had come back from the hospital and so she drove us in the taxi and he wanted me to sit in back with him because I was there. Right. (laughs) So I did. That's great. And uh, it, it it was a pretty easy visit. I did... It was a short visit. You know, I I went on a Friday, I came back on a Monday, and they're in a different time zone. So I stayed up super late because it was not my time zone. And also, I was watching a movie with his grandfather, and then we were sitting up talking about um, his needs and her needs and me trying to explain things to people who think very differently and are trying to comprehend what their part in it is and should be. He's a retired military guy. That tells people a lot. And after retiring from the military, he worked in banking. So he's also upper, upper, upper middle class, if not lower upper class. Yeah, he is. So he's got that 1% mentality also. He does. He does worry about money, which I don't think most of those people do. At least that's uh, that's our perception. How would we know we're over here, down, you know, down here in the other... <laughs> end of the percents. Right. But um, he does worry about money and doesn't want it wasted. Unless it's on something he wants. Yes. But that's another... Unless he decides that that's how it's going to be spent. But if somebody else is deciding, he's very hesitant, which is, I think, a 1% thing. But that's my opinion. That's a control thing. Yeah. I think I tried to explain to him like what things we have done with the boy and how his mother would typically let me know if... She wasn't able to manage him, and he would, you know, then be back at my house. And she's not doing it the same way there because they are so hard to talk to. They're both very controlling. They this, are. It operates well for them. It works well in their own world. But they're dealing with a boy and his mom who are not completely on the other end away from control, but they're like kind of like going with the flow of the day because you can't control chronic illness. You can't control a lot of things. They go with the flow. They do go with the flow. And also, I think that she has a very go with the flow attitude. His other mom does as a result and as a reaction to against controlling having people? Mm. been raised by controlling people. Yeah. And they don't understand dealing with chronic illness. No. They 
think that you when you go to the doctor and you come back, you're all better. And that's not how the chronic part works. I, I think that would be something like the definition of chronic. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, again, their idea and the reality of it are very different. Yeah. What I, I told her today, because I talked to her briefly about his IEP for tomorrow, uh, she did tell them, and this is what I told them when she was in the hospital before I went there. I said, you cannot decide for her what is going to happen with her child. She made a plan. You guys were the plan. If you can't follow through on your part, you need to let us know, and her and I can make a different plan. But the plan was, if she found herself needing more medical treatment, he would be watched by you guys. And if you're not managing that, then her and I can make a different plan. Right. But don't decide for her. Right. Because that's not okay. No, no. And so these are the kinds of discussions that you had as a mental health professional who is used to trying to talk people into doing what's best for themselves. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, the, and the controlling people are the hardest. Ugh. Like you have to convince them it's their idea. Oh, yeah. goodness. Oh, yeah. And that's really hard. So um, I wasn't terribly successful in a lot of it. Now, her father does care about her a lot. Her sister does too. Her sister's heart is in the right place. But in their, their world of control, they, they worry uh, more than we do mm-hmm. about the very safe neighborhood he's in in this lower upper class area. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, a, as our favorite babysitter said, like a bubble, a very safe bubble. And she likes that for him. It, it is a very good place for him if he can stay there, if things keep working out. So talking people who are controlling into doing what's best for themselves or the people they care about is very difficult. And when we tried to include her, it went very badly. Like it was toxic. We had to stop. (laughs) We couldn't do that because they keep talking at her and that's just not helpful. No. So it turned out to be best to talk separately. Yeah. So also right before I left to go see the boy is when Papa passed away. So I had to tell him about that while I was there. You did. And his granddad had seen that on a social media posted by one of their relatives and wanted to ask me about it. And I told him, wait, because I wanted to talk to the boy. I got there on a Friday night and I didn't want to talk to the boy before bedtime. Right. About dead people. So um, I did talk to him, but not about dead people. And I said, wait, I'll talk to you after he goes to bed. And then you were going to tell the other two children that Friday night too, because that happened on a Tuesday. And then it was a busy week with them going back and forth to their dads and us not wanting them not to have support. We waited till Friday night for them or no, Saturday morning, because that's right. You were going to tell them and I was going to tell him and then they could call each other. Yes. So we had to tell the kids about Papa, and he was very upset. He was sad. and The other two, number one and three, were not. Like, number one had a cup of coffee, as I said. You know, you guys, when you're done with brushing your teeth or, you know, whatever your next morning chore is, come come sit by me at the table. We need to talk. And number one sits down with his coffee, and he's picking it up to his mouth to take a drink. And I say, you guys need to know that Papa passed away last week. His heart stopped, and they couldn't fix it. 
And he's still got his cup up to his mouth and he's just like frozen there for a minute, which is a thing he used to do a lot when he was little. Like I remember one of my colleagues who was teaching him, the other music teacher there Mm -hmm. would say, well, he he didn't want to hand in the maraca he was playing. And so I had to take it from his hand because I couldn't, you know, just let him set the example of being the boss of the classroom. And he just stood there for like 15 minutes holding his hand as though the maraca were still in it. And I'm like, this is how my kid processes. He just physically freezes for a second. That reminds me of like your computer screen freezing and it's supposed to be loading, but it's yeah not loading at the rate you thought it would be. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so he just sat there with his coffee cup, like poised at his mouth to take a drink for probably somewhere between five and 10 seconds, not an inordinately long amount of time, but you know, long enough that I could tell he was assimilating some difficult information and he was making space in his brain for it. And a thing that we've always done when things are hard, when things are bad, a thing that I have done for a long time is when something bad happens, you look for the people who are doing good and the good that you can do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we lost a dog, we said the good you can do right now is give the other dogs extra lovey so they don't feel lonely. Right. And that's what I told them, you know, so we are probably going to go over and visit grandma tomorrow or the next day, which we didn't actually end up getting to do because she was busy. But, you know, I immediately planted something in their brain that they could do to be a good influence on a bad situation. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really like, it didn't really phase them. They were just like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't something as obvious as, as number two crying, crying. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't terrible. He just, he was upset like people get. Yes, that, so. that is a thing that people experience when someone dies, people grieve. Mm-hmm. Except me and people with my genetics, I guess. I don't know. Yes, except them. Correct. They do have their process, but it seems to be different than others. Yes. Yeah. And that is overwhelming, as some people find it. Yes, that, yeah. that would be a good way to put it. So, um, so, so they I to- told them other. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And then they called. And they talked for a minute. And that was a good connection, I think, for him. Yeah. I almost could feel number three's wheels turning of, okay, we're we're now calling my brother who's in another state. And this is about Papa having passed. So that's a thing where you connect to other people, like inputting that information. Yeah. You then yeah. connect to the other people who are part of the family network. You check in with the other people who may be experiencing strong emotions right now. This is another way you can be a good influence on a hard situation. Mm-hmm. So I hung out with them. The next day we went to Cub Scouts. Ooh, how was that? That was good. You you had pictures online and I was like, oh my gosh, these other kids look like him and he looks like the other kids. Yes. Which is kind of weird because around here, he kind of sticks out a little bit. Mm-hmm. He has a funny smile in every picture, like an affected smile. And his posture is just a little sideways. And in pictures with other kids around here, he looks a little off, but down there, he seems just more at ease. He does. And he had a natural smile, and his he, he wasn't posturing, he was just playing. Yes, he was just playing. They played, there were a bunch of nine and ten-year-old kids. Yeah. Doing all the same things, pretty much. That is so great. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that that's a good situation for him. Yes, it seems to be a very good situation for him. So far? So far? Mm-hmm. I think it is for him. The question is, 
can his grandfather and his aunt figure out how to make it work for them? And I think they have been doing the best they can, but we will have to figure a few things out and see if it can get managed. Right. Because his mother's medical problems are not resolved. No, they are not. And so we will see how that all fits together. And I hope he can stay there. That'll be good for him. I, I, I hope so, because I think he's very happy there. It's so nice for him to go out and play, you know, ride his bike all the time. And there's a lot to do. That's um, good. And yeah. he doesn't have the stigma. He doesn't seem to anyway that he had here of being, you know, the kid that graduated from the super duper extra special ed class and who tells teachers to fuck off. Yeah. He, he's got that social baggage here. It didn't go with him. He, the worst he's called teachers is a jackass. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he called a teacher a jackass. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about you talking yeah. on the phone with his principal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that made his granddad laugh, too, when we were talking that night. I pointed out to his granddad, we can't laugh in front of him, but it makes me laugh, and he was laughing, too. Yeah. Of, of all the things a boy could call somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> to hear a nine-year-old calling an adult a jackass, have n that word, you're such a jackass! You know, it seems like an old man swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is totally. So, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We will. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll have updates. Yes. Is that it for now? I think that's it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. I can't think of a person that has tried it that hasn't said, whoa, holy cow, holy smokes, whatever, right? <laughs> Not, you know, an inordinately amount of time, inordinate <laughs> patriarchy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>